Hey, hey. I hope, uh, I hope you guys have had an amazing, amazing weekend. Um, I want to say, uh, I said it earlier, but you really have blessed my heart in the way that you've been listening and learning. But to be honest, like the way you've been worshiping has been so beautiful. Listening to students worship is just such a gift. And I hope it's not just in something you're singing, but it's something you're living out of. Uh, in Ephesians 2, verse 10, after we get to this, remember we talked last night about this conjunction about, hey, you were dead in your trespasses, but there's this free gift that he gives to you. Free gift from God, this grace through faith, not because of anything that you have done, because of what God has done in you. And then verse 10 says this, you Speaking to all of us, those of who committed our lives to Jesus, you are his poema. It's a Greek word meaning poem or masterpiece. You are his masterpiece made for good works. You were made to do great things for the glory of God. Why? Because God is good. And anything he creates is good and is meant to display his glory. And we, above all, above all to display his glory, to live into that identity that he calls us into, to live on this side of the conjunction, this free gift of God in which we now live into. Paul, Pastor Paul, Shepherd Paul, Father Paul, is trying to teach this community about what it is to truly live for Jesus, to be found in him, and to be living into this masterpiece that he's created for each and every one of us. Each of you belong, you matter. And here's what I know about camp. I've been doing this a long time and I love camp. Camp is a lot of hype. Let's get you, let's, you know, it's like a, get you all wound up and teach you about Jesus, teach you about how great he is. We've talked to you about how God is truth. Truth exists because God exists. We talked about sin and how we try to crush that truth with, because we have this, this thing inside of us, this lascivious thing inside of us that's come from a darkened mind and a hardened, calloused heart. And so we kind of, we have lived into this, but look what Jesus has done his death and his resurrection to release us and to save us. But what are you to do now? And one of the things I, I, I love about camp is that it is hype, but the hype can't stay hype because now the hype has to be put into practice. That's when it becomes real and full and whole. And this is what I think is really important about as we wrap up what Paul's trying to say. Paul's not just giving you good news. He's like this, now you get to steward it. Now you've got to go do something with what you know now. If you're new and you're transformed, then you need to live that transformed life out into the spaces and places he calls us into. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4, verse 25 says this, therefore, therefore, the therefore is there for a reason. It's letting you know, listen, as a result, of not being like the Gentiles and living into who Christ has called you to be, clothed with him, putting off the old, taking on the new, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each, of, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we, are member, for we are members one of another. Be 
angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. To the devil, Let the thief no longer steal, but, the, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that is such for building up as, fit, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not, and do not, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, amen. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of God and everyone said, Father God, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you that they continue to teach us. Day after day, year after year, moment after moment, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for these students who are learning. We're all learning. Thank you for these leaders. We're learning. We're listening. We're trying to discern what your spirit is teaching us and directing us. We don't want to lean on to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we want to acknowledge you, and you promise you'll direct our paths. And so we want to live into that promise today. So direct us, lead us, guide us for your name's sake. And everybody said... Amen. Uh, when Patty and I, my wife and I, first got married, we went on a rafting trip, like a whitewater rafting trip. And uh, we went with some friends and uh, we were on this raft and, and it was kind of in the calm part of the water. You, anybody ever been uh, water rafting or anything? Okay, yeah. So there's like calm parts, right? And I was getting bored back then. I was like super ADD, like, and I was kind of getting bored. How many of you are like that? You're like, come on, I want some action, right? Yeah, okay. So I was kind of getting bored and I was like, you know, hey, I, I'm going to jump outside the raft and I'm gonna hold on to the rope. It had like a rope that went all the way around. I just wanna hold on the rope and let it drag me. I thought that would be really funny. And my wife's looking at me going, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think you should do this. Like what if the rapids start coming up and you're gonna get stuck? No, it's fine, babe, it's fine. And I was trying to be goofy and, and kind of show off a little bit. You know, I'm a newlywed, you know, come on, let's have some fun, let's do something crazy. I don't think you should do this. I don't you think you should do this, it'll be fine. So finally, I, I, I didn't listen to her. I jumped off the back of the raft and I'm holding onto the rope and everyone's laughing and, and, uh, and you know, everyone's having a good time. And, and Patty's like, I think you should get back in the boat. I was like, no, all of a sudden the rapids started picking up just a little bit. And I was like, okay, I'll jump, I'll get in the boat. And I, I jumped up. The moment I jumped up, I was like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And what had happened was the rapids had taken my swim trunks right off. So when I arced myself up into the raft, I uh, exposed myself to our friends, right? And I was like, and they were like, ah! And then all of a sudden, I'm not even kidding you, this is a real story. I just start hearing screaming and I'm like, what? And as I was in the air, a boat of Girl Scouts was walking by, was coming by, right? And it was just like, ah! Oh my gosh, right? Like I've tarnished their brains for the rest of their life. They just saw a naked man like jump up into a raft and my wife's like, get down. And so I like tucked down in the boat and as they're going by like the leader, it was just like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why, what were you doing? And I was like, I'm so sorry. They're like, these babies can't wash this image out of their brain, right? Poor things. They're telling that story. You won't believe there was this guy, right? But here's the thing, I was only thinking about myself in that situation. I was just thinking about me having fun. I was just thinking about me being me, me doing, you doing you. 
It's just all about what I wanted, right? My wife was like, hey, don't, I want you to consider others is what she was really saying. Are you considering others? And I think for us, what we've created is a meology. A meology instead of theology. Theology is the study of God. Meology is all about me, what I want, how I want it, when I want it. And that's how we've lived our lives. This individualistic pursuit after what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And by the way, if you reject that, then I reject you. I write you off. I'm going to cancel you. Isn't it interesting how the toxic tones in which Satan has been moving through generation after generation just keeps getting rebranded and rebranded and rebranded. This is what Paul's coming against. This is what he's trying to say. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. I mean, think about it this way. Like you live in a culture that has something called an iPhone. An iPhone. When I was growing up, there was only one phone in my house. One phone, and we all had to figure out how to share it. But in this generation, you have an iPhone. I find it ironic. It's called an iPhone. It's got iTunes and iMessage. It's all about you. You can customize it however you want it. And we've now allowed that to inebriate us, to make us think this life is all about us, but you are a part of an ecclesia, a body, a church, a community, that what you do affects me. What I do affects you. This is what Paul is saying all throughout all of his letters is that there's power in the community of Jesus Christ. So you can't just go rogue and go do what you want to do. This is what this whole last section's about. You can't just go talk the way you want to talk. You can't just go, oh, it's just my sin. Or it's like a private, no, 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 it affects me. In fact, Corinthians says this, Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it, which means this, as a community, we live with collective wins and collective losses. And I want you to know this, your sin and your desire to do your thing in your way and your truth affects me. It affects all of us. There is no such thing as just an individual sin. This thing that you've been hiding, it affects the body of Christ, all of us. There is no such thing as a hidden sin because it impacts me, it impacts you, it impacts all of us. This is what Paul's saying. We gotta course correct this stuff. But here's the other cool thing. It's not all negative news, it's great news. When you win, we all win. When you decide to follow after Jesus, when you decide to not just live a Christian hype life that up here at camp, but you go down the hill and you live it up for the glory of God, I benefit from that. We all benefit from you living a righteous and a holy life before God. You see how that's so important? You see how much you matter? You see how much your decisions aren't just about you? They affect all of us. This is the weight of what Paul is trying to communicate to this church that he loves. Do you not understand how important you are? 
Do you not understand how toxic sin is? It's not just about you and hurting you. It hurts all of us. Do you not understand that when you live faithfully for God and forgive one another, that it affects all of us? It brings health. It bears much fruit. Colossians says it like this. This is Paul, again, speaking to the church in Colossae. In verses, or chapter 3, 1 through 4. If you have been raised with Christ, right? This is on this side of the conjunction. You're not dead in your trespasses. You're alive in Christ. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of earth. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. He's talking about a new way of thinking, a new way of life, a new way that goes, I want what God wants. I want to live like Jesus lives. That's why when Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. This is what he's saying. Seek first Jesus and his righteousness will follow and all these things will be added unto you. When you find Jesus, you find everything. And when it doesn't just become about you, it affects the whole community. When you go, no, 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 I'm a part of a body with many parts. So what you do matters. Who you are matters. And what Paul's trying to do is like, he's trying to help us get our head off of earth and try to see the things of heaven, set your mind on the things above. above. Essentially, reset your minds. Reset your minds. He's going like this. He's going, you need to live like citizens of heaven right now. Right now. You know, Paul starts off chapter four in a really important way. He has another therefore there. He has just explained the gospel to us, who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then chapter four, the very first verse, he says this, therefore, I, therefore, Paul says, a prisoner for the Lord, which literally he's in prison. And here's what he's urging this body to do, this group of people, this church. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. This is how he starts off chapter four. And we've just been in chapter four this whole time. He's going like, I urge you. I urge you. He's like, I'm, I'm desperately desiring for you to walk in a manner worthy of this gift that you've been given, this new life, this redeemed life, to get rid of the old and take on the new and live into that new. I'm just desiring for you to live this way. And he continues to talk about how they're one body, one church. And so we're to live like heaven now. We're not just to wait for heaven. No, thy kingdom come, right, is the prayer. Thy will be done, where? On, where? Earth, where? As it is in heaven. We're to live as kingdom citizens right now. And the way we do that is we live in a heavenly community. Like Jesus left and he left the spirit of God to us. The spirit is speaking to you right now. He's convicting you of your sins and he's drawing you into the things that are of him. He's producing the fruit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Galatians 5 explains this to us. 
the byproduct of what it is to be led by the Spirit of God, but he's also given us the people of God. Like I, when my son was sick, I've told you that my, my son, he, was, he got leukemia when he was eight years old. And I was running Phoenix One, my organization. Back then we were doing these really big gatherings. And so we'd have, you know, a thousand young people come out and worship every other week. And uh, we would invite some speakers to come out. Well, this, this weird guy, somebody told me he was awesome and his name was Bob Goff. And so I, I called Bob Goff up on the phone and, and I said, hi, my name's Jeff. You know, we run this thing. He's like, I'd love to come out. So Bob comes out to Phoenix. Again, my son had just been diagnosed and, and I would always sit with the speakers and say, what's one thing you've always wanted to do, but churches wouldn't let you do it or no one will let you do it where you speak. And he said, I've always loved the idea of laying hands on in prayer. I've always loved that idea. And I was like, that's really cool. But he goes, but I also like crowd surfing. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And he goes, what if, because you're going through something so difficult that, that, at the end of my message, we pray for you, but we pray for you by crowd surfing. And so Bob gets up and, and he, he does his talk to, to our young, or to our millennials. And, and he said, hey, your executive director uh, is really hurting. You know, many of you know his son has cancer and I think we should pray for him. And so I stepped up on, on, on the front row here and I just fell backwards into the hands of a thousand millennials from 233 churches from across the Phoenix Valley. And as they passed me, crowd surfed me, they prayed for me. Lord, give them wisdom, help them. Lord, comfortably. Lord, heal his son, heal his son. I have never felt the presence of the body of Christ so full in that moment. Every denomination, we stop fighting. We stop crushing and killing one another. We stop taking sides. Why? Because we needed to lift up a brother who is in hurting and in need. And we were like, Lord, you are the God of all of us and you see us and you know us and you know Jeff and you know his family and they're praying for me and tossing me around this church that's 150 years old. This is what you're to do for one another. This is what it is to be a part of a church. It's not some like religious thing. It's a moving body an ecclesia made for good works. But you all need one another. Your church should be a light. Your youth group should be a light to your neighborhood, to your church, or to your community, to your school. But do you think about it that way? Or is it just this really cool thing I attend on Wednesday nights or Sunday morning? It's bigger than that. It's better than that. Live into this heavenly community right now and live heaven right now. You have received good news, which means this. You ready for this? You're good news. You have a great story. Your story gets to be told. You know what I found? I've traveled all around the world. People don't argue with my story. People listen to my story. You guys have been listening to my stories this whole weekend, right? And you haven't gone, that's not true. No, it's my story. That's what the Lord, that's what God has done in me. You all have that as well. A part of your stories, for some of you, last night was, well, I was over here. I was dead in my trespasses. And then last night at camp, I made a commitment to follow after him. I'm a new creation made for good works. That's great news. Some of you repented this weekend. I can't, I gotta stop faking it. 
I gotta start living into this commitment that I made to follow after him. That's a great story. I once was kind of, I made a commitment to follow Jesus and then I wasn't following. I wanna tell that story. Either way, Jesus gets the glory. As you tell that story of what he's done in your life and the lives of so many people, tell people my stories, I don't care, but tell the story. Tell the story of what God is doing. Bless this world that typically is grounded in bad news. How many people watch news for good news? No, no, they don't watch for good news. Everybody, it's bad news, bad economy, bad world, wars, pandemics. That's all they wanna give. We are the purveyors of good news because we have the greatest gift inside. We're the masterpiece. We're the poem that we get to now explain to the world. This is what you've been called to do. And when you do it well, it impacts all of us because we're a body. Uh, my son attends Grand Canyon University in Arizona. And some friends of ours are big soccer people. They love soccer. Anybody love soccer? Raise your hand. Yeah, anybody World Cup people? Did you go nuts over it? Okay, so uh, I, I grew up playing soccer, but I'm not so into it, but they're huge soccer people. So they're like, let's go to a soccer match. Apparently Grand Canyon has a good soccer team. So we go, we go to this soccer match and we're, we're watching uh, what's going on. And it's a crazy game. Apparently GCU is division one and it's a, like a big deal. Anyway, so it's a crazy game. GCU's up two to one and there's 40 seconds left. Now the goalie for GCU has been playing like the best game of his entire career, like crazy, right? He's blocking goals, diving everywhere. And so he's playing this amazing game. So, so 40 seconds left, the other team is heading down the field and they kick on goal. He punches it out to the right. All of a sudden they start circling back. They do a cross and they start running in on the goalie. The goalie runs up to meet with them, right? There's not much time left. And all of a sudden, boom, the goalie hits somebody. We're like, where did the ball go? And all of a sudden we start hearing screaming on the field. The game stopped. All the players are like, like screaming, weeping, oh my God, like that. And we're like, what's going on? And the goalie is laying on the ground. So we're all in the stands, like what, everyone's looking at each other, like what's happening? And all of a sudden his mother starts running from the, from the stands down to the field and you can hear her wailing down on the field. The players start circling up and they're all praying over the GCU players. And you could hear their prayers in the stadium. The entire stadium goes completely quiet. And everyone's asking the same question. What's wrong with this kid? What's going on? And we don't know. And everyone's looking around like somebody tell us. But then we're doing something else. We're going, if somebody's hurt, what are we looking for? Where's the help? Like, where's the ambulance? Who, is somebody calling? And all of a sudden, you know, they, they brought their crew out, the medical crew out, and they keep waving people over. Meanwhile, we're all looking around and it's like, where's the help? Where's the police? Where's the ambulance? And no one's coming. And I'm not even kidding. For 30 minutes, this entire stadium was quiet, all wondering the same thing. Where is help? And we'd hear alarm, we'd hear like, you know, like police sirens go off and we we're like, it's coming, it's coming. And then it didn't come. And we're like frustrated, pent up because like this kid, we don't know what's wrong. Is he dead? Is he just knocked out? Everyone, it must be so bad because people are weeping and crying. 
All of a sudden, we see this fire truck. So he's on this end of the field. This fire truck pulls up on this end of the field. And the guys get out of the fire truck, and, and they start walking on the field. And all of a sudden, one brave guy goes, you can't walk, bro. You got to run. And then the whole crowd who's been pent up with all this, like not feeling like we can do anything, start growing, run, run, you gotta run. You gotta go, you gotta save this guy. You gotta rescue him. He's in a bad place. Everyone joins in. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus ran to us so that we will run and be a voice for others. Your life in Christ is a proactive faith, not a passive faith. You don't get to back, get back and, and seep up and soak up the goodies. No, you're to be a proactive believer in Jesus Christ, which means you wear the weight that Jesus wears. Do you think Jesus loves people who are lost? Then we need to. Do you think he, he cares about those in need? Do you think he cares about those in need? then we need to care about that. Do you think he cares about the orphan? Then we need to care about that. Do you think he cares about the widow? Then we need to care about that. Do you think he cares about those who no one cares about, who our society writes off? Do you think he cares about them? Then we need to care about them. This is what it means to be a part of God's plan for your life, which means this, you are so important. Your life is so much bigger than video games and Instagram. It's so much bigger than even whatever dream you have imagined for yourself. You are God's workmanship, his poem, his masterpiece made for good works. And so my hope is that you leave this week and going this, I'm important. I know who I am. I'm a child of the king and I'm no longer gonna live as a slave. And what you do matters you're not alone. You're a part of a body, a church, a community that is on mission to share this good news that you've heard about this whole weekend with the world. The hands, listen, hands and feet of Jesus. I want you to wear that responsibility. He who knew no sin became sin so that you would benefit. Guess what you get to do? same thing. There's this interaction at the end of John's gospel with Peter. Remember Peter? How many of you like Peter? Remember Peter in the gospels, right? He walked on the water, yeah? He talked a little bit too much. Right? Well, I love Peter. And Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus died, rose again. And he and Peter are having this exchange. And Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Can you imagine if Jesus came to you? Like, look you right in the eyes. Here, look right up here. And he said, and Jesus looked at you and said, do you love me? Yes. I like that. That's what Peter said. Peter said, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. And, and, and Jesus said, and asked him again, Peter, do you love you? What if Peter, what if Jesus came to you and said, do you love me? What would you say? Yes. yes. That's what Peter said. He said, I love you twice. Now, what if all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, Peter, I've got one more question. Do you love me? What would you say? Well, you start getting a little frustrated. You're like, hey, hold on, wait a second. I already told you twice. Do I need it a third time? But here's what maybe you didn't know, and maybe we didn't know, but Jesus knew, is Peter denied Jesus three times. 
And what Jesus was saying to Peter is, I want you to really think about your I love you. I really want you to think about that, Peter. And he's redeeming Peter with his love. Don't let it, Peter, just be about words. Let it be about something you do, right? And so Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus says to him something really important. It's important for you and I. And feed my sheep. Here's what he's saying. Take care of my people. I'm ascending into heaven. I'm leaving my spirit to lead you and to guide you, to be my hands and feet to the world. This is what he's asking of each and every one of you. And I pray with all my heart that this weekend that you've just experienced isn't just a really cool hype weekend, but it's something that transformed you. You have a newness, a renewing of your mind. That you're gonna put off that old way of living and take on this new identity in Christ that you're gonna live different than the rest of the students around you. I hope and pray. I believe in junior hires. I believe in what God's doing in you. And I trust that you're going to listen to the spirit of God and move forward for his kingdom and his glory. I'm really so thankful that you've been listening, but please don't stop listening. Don't stop learning. Lean into one another, care for one another, and be the hands and feet to Jesus to one to the world that he's given you to. Amen? Let me pray. Father God, we love you and we're so grateful to be alive this morning. I'm grateful to hear your words. They are the words of life. Thank you that you showed us that your mission was to come and seek and save the lost. And so we want to join you in that mission. Join you in that love. Join you in that mercy. Join you in that grace. Join you in that care. Teach us, Spirit of the living God, to be your hands and feet in this world. Protect us from the evil one who would so love to crush us and pull us back into that old nature. Convict our hearts. Set us on the path for your sake so that many will come to know you. And we look forward to the day that we gather with all the believers around the world and we sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But until that day, we serve you, we praise you, we worship you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen.